0: They literally have built a site now that saved someone's life and they did it in one weekend. That's mind-blowing to me. So I think it was the providence of God to say to the team, you're just getting started.
1: You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters, and starters from across Canada.
2: Hi, my name's Jared.
1: And my name is Elle.
2: And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. Today we have a special guest. His name's James Kelly. And I got to know this guy because he and I used to commute back and forth from Kitchener, Ontario, to McMaster University in Hamilton. We were going to MacDiv College and uh, that was during my ill-fated uh, attempt at getting a master's degree.
1: Oh, oh you never finished that.
2: Did not. No. I, think,
1: I think James did.
2: I. Th- I he, he's a finisher. <laughs> <laughs> so Elle you did this interview and I'm glad you did because you've been hanging out with James for a little while. Yes. Uh, in the last little bit and you've been watching what his project uh, uh, emerge. You saw it probably right from its initial phases. So tell me, what's, uh, what's James up to?
1: So James is a really, I know I say this a lot about a lot of people, but he really is an interesting guy. Uh, I met James about probably two years ago. He was actually going through LinkedIn in Kitchener-Waterloo and looking for anyone that might have some connection with faith and technology. Mm-hmm. Found me and said, I'd love to pick your brain. I have an idea. And from what I've heard, James did this with maybe 100 people. And came up with this idea that he really felt that God had birthed in him. This idea that in the midst of devastation, there's an opportunity for innovation. And here in the Waterloo region, um, it's one of the, um, I guess it'd be the second highest density of startups, next only to Silicon Valley.
2: Whoa, 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 slow down. You just said what about Kitchener Waterloo?
1: It is the highest, second highest density, next only to Silicon Valley. Um, in terms of the startup density. So, so, if you were to think about tech startups uh-huh. and technology companies, you yes. have Silicon Valley in California, which everyone knows about. Yeah. And after that, it's a little old Waterloo region.
2: Kitchener Waterloo is number two in the world.
1: Yes. I know you don't love Kitchener Waterloo, but there's many things to love about it. And this is one of them. And so all of these tech companies, I mean, there's a tech ecosystem here. It's booming. It's buzzing. Uh, Lots of people coming here, graduating from school, wanting to be here. And um, it's kind of led him to answer some questions. And that is, how do we take this innovative, creative, influential community and help them leverage technology technology to create kingdom-minded solutions?
2: So here's what I love about this interview. My favorite part... And I want everyone to listen in for this. As he says that people who, who are involved in the tech industry, the church often doesn't know what to do. We get them doing PowerPoint and running the soundboard. Right. And these are people that are actually changing the world 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. They show up on Sunday. And all we've got is uh, Ariel on a black background.
1: Absolutely. So he's gotten some really interesting connections, had some events, and he's really picking up momentum with what's happening. And part of it is that, yes, he's engaging people to actually use their gifts, talents, and abilities for kingdom minded activities. And also, how do we share our faith within these communities? Uh, it's, it's great stuff. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with James.
2: All right. Elle, good job. I love this interview. So, everybody, give it a listen. This is James Kelly talking about faith tech.
1: Hi friends. I am hanging out today with James Kelly. He's here in the New Leaf studio. It's, wow. be- it's a beautiful studio, isn't it? It's gorgeous. The kitchen. The kitchen is uh, the New Leaf studio. So we're hanging out here with James Kelly. Uh, really excited to have him on the podcast today. James, what would you, how would you like to start? We have so many things we can talk about.
0: Well We've already been talking for we, like 40 minutes. We
1: have been. We probably should have yeah. pressed record, but that's okay. That's all right. So tell me a little about how you, how you got involved with church planting.
0: Oh man. So um, I, I just remember uh, I had finished my undergraduate degree and um, I was traveling between Burlington and Waterloo where my wife was finishing school. And I was driving back one day, and I was 20 at the time. Driving back one day, I was listening, actually listening to a podcast. Oh, there you go. And um, this guy, he was a preacher down in the States. I remember he said this one phrase. He said, "Um, you know you're called to something when you can't get it out of you. I kid you not, I pulled over on the road. It was pouring rain. It was one of those stories, right? I literally pulled over, and I hit rewind. I listened to it over 30 times like one phrase <laughs> obsessive for sure and it and it, it stirred in me is something because i remember one time someone said if i gave you a blank piece of paper and you're across the table for someone that didn't know jesus what would you write would it be a business idea a business concept mm-hmm. what would it be right now that i'd write the gospel he's like well maybe that's what you should do with your life is share the gospel i just remember the tying of those two things that i think mm-hmm. i need to be in, in ministry with my whole life and I knew i wasn't very equipped so um in terms of kind of theological training i just personally felt i wanted to get more education and so that's when i went and did uh, my master's degree and then during that internship at mcmaster divinity college shout out um lee beach and others he's our homeboy yeah uh we um i i started interning at a church in waterloo mm. and then the pastor and I, his name's gord brock we started just asking questions about what is, not even what is next, but how do we bring the gospel to people? How do we, how do we live out our faith in the context that we're in? Mm-hmm. And we ended up learning about moving uh, Nigel Paul, who started that. I remember one day we were up for lunch with him, and we asked him what are the major problems you're experiencing, and he said uh, church leadership was one. Mm. Um, and then just not seeing a ton of people meet Jesus. And we thought, oh, the church is great at leadership. Uh, it, it could be <laughs> and if we uh, you know kind of follow what Paul said. And so we thought, well, why don't we call people and we all move in a neighborhood. So about four and a half years ago in, in Kitchener. We had uh, roughly around 20 of us all move into three neighborhoods in our city. Hmm. And I remember that, um, you know, people selling homes it was amazing with a vision to say, we want to have an impact where we live. Right. And I remember, uh, I went around asking cab drivers where they don't like to go in the city.
1: That was your research.
0: Yeah. So the theory was cab drivers know the city, the best they know in and out and wherever they don't want to be, we probably need more gospel influence and uh i didn't know what i was getting into so we we ended up in this neighborhood that's Um, god's
1: gift sometimes you know yeah
0: right (laughs) Uh, i remember we we showed up and there's these three high-rise apartment buildings in our neighborhood and my wife and i are just out you know waiting to get a tour and you know we're um kind of stood out a little bit my and this lady came up to us she's like what are you doing here like well we're looking at apartment buildings she's like why we're like, you know, we told her, she's like, okay, okay, stay clear of 80. We're like, what do you mean? She said, well, there's eighty, sixty-six, and 50. These are the three high-rise. She's like, 80, that's that's the one you want to stay clear of. Oh, well, thank you very much, you know? We look at each other, and literally, we're at a point, spiritually, um, where Karen and I look at each other, and we ask the lady, can we see apartments in 80? And, uh, and then that started a journey for the last four and a half years. We've been part of this church. It's called Radiant City Church, and... I'm very focused on where we live in the Mm -hmm. neighborhood
1: and you guys kind of get going with your church plant did you have a core team that you started with was it just you and your wife or how did that start
0: so the senior pastor from our other church he 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 was our full-time pastor and then i went back into business and then we had yeah we had a core team but about 20 total and Pretty committed, twenty people I'd say, because most people got up and moved. Wow. So yeah, yeah, I think that core team is key.
1: And is that is there still those same people that moved all in that neighborhood?
0: Uh, all um, yeah, quite a lot of them. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So in the four and a half years you've been doing this hard, slow work in the neighborhood, what's like one or two of the most exciting things that you saw happen?
0: Hmm well actually here's exciting but um painful uh, there was a shooting in our neighborhood um just two years ago where a police officer shot someone five times and killed him he had been to our potluck a couple times and we knew his family and uh, one of his best one of his best friends was like a regular and we knew him well it was just a friend of ours hmm. so we kind of journeyed um with with them through that experience and murder is intense and especially when it comes at the hands of someone that's supposed to be helping you know and uh it was a very messy mixed up situation no one had all the facts and um you know there ended up being protests against the police and everything yeah, i remember and so, that happening do you remember that yeah i do yeah so
1: we don't get a lot of shootings around here no so
0: no so yeah i think that's that shook us. Um but what I think what the beauty that came of that was people in the midst of devastation there's an opportunity for innovation and um that's kinda of one of the phrases that uh, came out of um launching Faith Tech for me and now it's come this theme of like what what new can come out of the brokenness that you see and so people were asking new questions in the midst of this mm. about why that question why is enormous and I think even even for us in our neighborhood um, we kind of have a framework that we try to we try to live out which is context God gospel community and it's both a framework for how we do life and how we study the scriptures and the question is always asking what is someone's story that's the foundational the, the why why are you here why do you live and then what is it about God that you need to hear So if a friend of ours um, um, lost her father at a young age and he was a terrible man, and so her view, that's her story, and then her view of God as father is extremely skewed. Mm -hmm. Um, So talking about God as a loving father is very important. Um, And then what is it about the gospel that they need to hear? And then what do we as a community need to do? instead of individual I think we even when we read scriptures we think what is God saying to me 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 but really in the context of scriptures so often about us and I think once we figure out what God's saying to us then we just naturally say what's my role within that so this is a framework we try to to live out and um, I think one of the exciting things that came out of that shooting some other things is that um, it just people were willing to to answer the wise you know and I think that's one thing as we've journeyed with some people through, yeah, like, you know, dealing with children's aid or dealing with, um, like, suicides and things like that. Um, People are willing to ask the why questions, uh, or it leads to us being able to ask those questions. And that's profound Mm -hmm. because that leads, for me, the why is the gospel and Jesus. So to be able to even have the space to talk about that is. Is beautiful
1: what's been one of the most challenging things that you've experienced that same thing <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer
0: yeah yeah I think you know, like I grew up in um, a, a very safe neighborhood in Burlington and um, so you know, spending a lot of our time um, with just a, a different context mm-hmm. I should say than I'm you know, used to um, I think you're you're dealing with um a brokenness just a different type of brokenness and uh the challenges have been um yeah when do you call children's aid when do you um um like if someone wants to kill themselves what do you say what do you do and uh it just really depending on the Holy Spirit, like when scripture talks about, you know, God's going to give you the words, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Um, those become more of a reality. they become more of a reality for us right? because you're just like, I have no idea what to say right now. Right. So God, you're up, you know. Um, so I think those, those have been the challenges for sure.
1: If you could give yourself some advice, looking back, Four years Mm -hmm. ago, what's one thing that you had wished you had maybe not necessarily done differently, but something that you could have anticipated or had maybe that you wish that you had have learned when you first started? Mm
0: -hmm. One thing that's been on my mind a lot lately is I think there is a strong push. So it's funny I just said the whole context, God, gospel, community, but I think right now, especially in kind of the Canadian church, I, I understand that it's very difficult to proclaim. The gospel if we don't have the context in the story my fear however is that we're moving in a in a direction of so focused on story context waiting 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 just for that perfect moment to declare what is good um and it's almost like i need to know the whole story before i even say why god changed my life almost you know and so for me i think um I think I I was so focused on story that I missed opportunities for declaration of why God changed my life. or Because uh, ultimately, if it's good news, I'm going to share that good news throughout the story, mm-hmm. throughout knowing because there's every, every pass of someone's story, the good news can be impactful. So I think if I were to go back, I think I would have been... Uh, just right, right from the get go. I think even just more in tune with, um, the way the gospel can shape every aspect of someone's life instead of just waiting for that one perfect, beautiful context story where all the lights have lined and, you know, it's a perfect (laughs) moment. And then, and then you just miss it even then, because you're like, I can't believe this is true. Can I really be saying this right now? So I think I, yeah, I think I would have been like, I'm entering a season right now where God has made it clear that there's three things I need to focus on this coming year. My family, faith tech and evangelism and just sharing and declaring the gospel. Um, and so if things don't line up with those three right now, they're getting pushed to the wayside. And, uh, and I think that evangelism piece of just, uh, really wanting people to meet Jesus, um, is is maybe that's what's coming out of it too, of thinking mm. back I and mean, being yeah. like we've done so much tilling of the ground. I don't know why I use farm farm analogies. I'm not a farmer, but obviously the Bible does. The Bible lot, does, but,
1: so you're in good company.
0: Yeah, right. And so you just we just we're getting a sense that we need to be um, declaring a little bit more right now.
1: So planting this church and now starting Faith Tech, tell us a little bit about that story and maybe I can see that one kind of helped inform the other. So
0: So that phrase I mentioned, the midst of devastation, there's an opportunity for innovation. I heard just less than a year and a half ago, I was at a conference actually in Toronto. And it just struck me because in the midst of devastation, we were journeying right when I heard that we were journeying through with a couple families through a lot of crazy stuff. And I just remember, I felt like I was hitting my head against a cement wall with like a nail sticking out and you're like, Oh, this is painful, you know? And I just kept thinking, um, God, is there anything else we should be doing? Um, and, and there's a season where you just got to be faithful to what you're doing. And I agree with that, but you also, I think you need to keep asking of God, is there anything else? And so I just remember hearing opportunity for innovation. And I just thought, well, i mean Kitchener Waterloo. Kitchener Waterloo right now has the second highest startup density in the world next to Silicon Valley. That's incredible. And I just remember thinking, is there, is there anyone working together on this? Like thinking the innovative tech crowd. So I just remember a week later, I asked a, a pastor in our city who knows a lot of other people, Christians. And I just said, who? I wasn't even if. it was like, who is working and thinking about how to use tech and innovation to help the poor? And this person said, I don't know anyone. And then that led to a series of conversations uh, in the midst, uh, so in about three, four months, I'd met with about 40, 50 people just outside of my business job. I was working in recruitment. And then I kept hearing things like I'd meet a pastor or someone that would run a charity and they would say things like, we don't have enough money, you know, or, or we're dealing with a lot more suicides. What do we do with that? I remember all these problems would just be left on the table. Mm-hmm. And then I started meeting with tech people and I heard this phrase a lot. I don't know my place in the church. That's a sad statement. And the thing was, was a lot of people were saying, you know, besides PowerPoint and websites for tech people, they're like, I I don't know what I'm doing here. And, you know, people that are absolutely brilliant creating the next technologies that are changing the world um, don't know their place in the church. So eventually I just emailed a whole bunch of those people. 35 of us met back in April. You were there Mm -hmm. for our first little event you could call it and then we just started asking what are the problems and then at every table we made sure there was someone in ministry and tech and we just started seeing that there's incredible innovative ways that we can help solve some of these these problems and that was the night that i knew there was something far more going on and then those conversations led to more global conversations where a lot of other major cities like toronto new york Denver, Dallas, um, Silicon Valley, Seattle, Vancouver. Now conversations are in like Japan and East Asia and Africa. Literally, we're in all these major cities. People are asking the same questions, but there's no structure around getting those people together. Um, So we're kind of exploring that to see if we can do that. So that one night in April led to a couple other of those conversation nights and then just... Just in November, a few months ago, we did what's called Faith Tech Innovation Talks. We had you out. It was speaking. a lovely night. It was a good night.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed sharing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you did a great job. Thank you. It was awesome. We had, yeah, we had five speakers, max fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. which I think everyone was pretty close to.
1: I sure tried.
0: <laughs> uh, it was a good night. Like I was surprised. I was praying for um, 120. 163 came, and uh, and then that led into a hackathon, which is like a conference for geeks. It's the coolest thing in the world. So you take a problem, and then and then in a very short amount of time, and for us it was one weekend, you had to create a working product solution that you'd to present to a panel of judges, and we had award a winners. So here's an example of one of the projects. This is crazy. Over 4,000 people a month. In Canada, search the phrase how to kill yourself in Google. The top search result, and if you're listening to this podcast and you're like by the internet, search this to prove if I'm telling the truth. But last time I did it last week, the top search result was seven easy, painless ways to kill yourself. The fifth one down was a YouTube video that showed you how to do it. Like that exists in Canada. And, um, you kind of ask, what are we doing? Where, where's, where's a good advice on that? So I remember at this hackathon, I told that story. I gave the numbers and a team formed two programming developers, one communications manager for a nonprofit, and then a guy who was there just to set up ended up staying the whole weekend. and He's a psychotherapist. So this team of four of them worked together. They bought the domain howtokillyourself.org. And you go on and it says you're not alone. There's a video to watch. There's a phone number of a crisis number tailored to your IP address, meaning wherever you are in Canada, you get a local number to call. Just brilliant things, information.
1: That's incredible.
0: It's incredible. So uh, just three weeks ago, this team of four were in my living room. They all committed to working five hours a week for three months to get this project launched off the ground. And if that isn't incredible enough, that whole story, this just happened last week. One of the ladies on the team, she's a developer. She was telling me, she emailed me and then we talked about it um, in person. She said just last week, she was with a friend. They are over for dinner. And she started telling her about this project she's working on. She's like, we made this site and it's a suicide prevention site and it's intentionally dark. Uh, we picked the fonts all very strategic. There's a video phone number and the lady said, well, what's the address? She said org." And she said just last night I went online And I was ready to kill myself and I searched how to kill myself And that website came up wow and that website got me through the night before I met with my psychiatrist the next day
1: That's incredible
0: that liter- they literally have built a site now that saved someone's life and they did it in one weekend. That's mind blowing to me. So I think it was the providence of God to say to the team, you're just getting started. Like there is an incredible transition in our culture happening. I think this is quite profound to me hearing about this and how we deal with secrets. And I, I asked the question, is Google the new God? And, and here's why, in all of history, If you had a very deep secret, like you wanted to kill yourself, you either did one of two things in all of history. You either told no one and took it to the grave, or you told someone you profoundly trust, like a counselor, a family member, a friend, a pastor. Now there's a third category, it's called Google. And not only is it a new category, it's transforming the other two categories. Hmm. So what's happening now is more and more people are asking those very deep questions. And then secondly, either before or in replace of the person they trust, people are going onto Google. Uh, A friend recently told me that uh, he had heard, and I'm gonna try to verify this, uh, because he just told me last night, but he said that um, over 80% of things that we used to go to our fathers for, we now go to the internet for. So it's like ties, shaving, but then even the the deeper things. right. So to me, if all of that's true, the question then becomes, what is Google saying? And in general, there's roughly three categories, either garbage, things that are kind of more self-help, or things that are gospel or lead to the gospel. If you were to, from a Christian perspective, take those as three big categories. If the church is 15 to 20 years behind in understanding, using, leveraging technology, which it is, then that third category gets almost eliminated. So therefore the tens of thousands of people that are asking how to end their life every month in Canada Because that one phrase how to kill yourself That's that one specific four words are over 4,000 people So you multiply it out by I want to die everything else Tens of thousands All the different iterations
1: of that sentence, yeah
0: The answers that they're getting are not What I believe are what are ultimately going to bring hope and transformation so this is to me i'm feeling a calling that uh, i need to start kicking churches and pastors in the back end to wake up like if i said to you l there's four thousand say say i said there's a thousand people down the street at the coffee shop all ready to kill themselves what do you do you and i drop this mic right? We just leave it running and we're running out the door without a jacket on and we're bolting it down to that coffee shop. And on the way we're praying and on the way we're calling our friends to say we need to do something. Mm -hmm. Yet 4,000 of them are actually doing it right now across Canada, but they're doing it online. But because we don't see it, we think, okay, well, it doesn't really matter. Right. So it's great. It's just a massive cultural change happening right now. So that's a long way to say that's one of the examples of a project that we're working on. And, um, you know, since a few months ago, I quit my job to do this now full time. We, we do in the city of Waterloo, we do events, we do what's what we call faith tech labs, which is what a project would run under. And then we call the third one faith at work. Where we're actually gathering small groups of Christians to meet weekly at their workplace to ask, why do I work? And how do I be the light of Christ in my workplace? And, we're doing some book studies, things like that. So those are the three things we're doing. And then we're looking to launch in Toronto in March and Vancouver in May. So that's where we're at with what is Faith Tech. Those are some examples.
1: So how is this all feeling to you? <laughs> because I mean, I remember meeting with you like a year ago yeah. when you like cold contacted me on LinkedIn, and <laughs> <laughs> which was great. But I just remember hearing like it's from outside. Well, I'm kind of involved, but like to see it from the outside, to see like this seed that was planted, mm-hmm. this idea that you had. And now to see this great movement happening, like what what does that feel like to see that work that you've been doing kind of come out and mm-hmm. see all these different iterations of it and different opportunities? Like, how is that feeling?
0: Um. There's mixed feelings. I think um, on the the pro side, it's really nice to know, like when I'm meeting all these tech people and they say, I don't know my place in the church. That is a really heartbreaking statement to me because I think God's given us particular gifts. And I think one of our jobs, even as pastors and ministry leaders is to say, what are those, help people understand those giftings and use them. So that's why it's been so difficult, I think in the tech community. I think God's given me a, a certain amount of, you know, uh, abilities or gifts, and I feel like they've all kind of come together right now, which is, um, I just feel very fortunate to be able to do that and, and to, to be excited about that. Um, I think I'm, I don't know where this is going. Like, I think God's given given some visions, like one of the big, huge ones he's given me, which I think is a little crazy, but we'll see, is like 15 global cities in five years. And very, for a reason, in tech. Two big problems are people build stuff that's cool that no one needs, or they build something that's already been built. And you're kind of looking around like, what are are you doing? And so, you know, say you came to me and you're like, oh, I've got this this great new technology for doing podcasts. It's incredible. It's gonna revolutionize the church. (laughs) And I said, okay, I'll hold, slow down. (laughs) But what if I could come back to you in a week and be like, I got some interesting news. Tokyo? London, England, Nairobi, Kenya, New York, Seattle, and Vancouver. They all would love what you're thinking about. And there's someone in Toronto that's starting to build what you're talking about. You mm-hmm. guys should partner together. The, the things we could do for the kingdom are mind-blowing when you're looking at that. So I think that's one of the reasons. So <laughs> that's a long way to say um, just really feeling a season of... Um, Really trying to rely on, okay, God, um, what does this look like when, you, when you're when you trying stuff that people haven't done before? You're, I'm also getting some pushback, you know, of, um, you know, just from churches or pastors thinking, you know, this, why are you doing that? Like, we're supposed to be in the neighborhoods kind of thing, and um, you know, my argument is that we are, um, but our neighbors are online, so... I think just dealing, wading through that, um, is that both that that complexity, trying to figure that out, and then the excitement.
1: I think of the people who listen to this podcast. So we have a interesting group of people that that tune in, which we're very thankful for. But a lot of them are planting churches or mm. starting things or have this sense that God is calling them to something that's that's new, that's innovative. Um, for those people that are listening can you give them a little bit of advice of what, like when I think about when I got involved in things and I, I know I I enjoy to start things, Hmm. but I would love to have gotten the opportunity to talk to someone who had kind of gone a little further down the road. Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice to someone that's thinking about starting something new or?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So two things come to mind. One is if you have a family or you're married, um, make sure they're 100% on board. I think early on in all this faith tech stuff, my wife, Karen, she was like, what is this? Like, you know, you're doing all these meetings and like, I don't even know what you're doing and so i kind of got that but then when she came to our first event she's like okay i, I kind of get this now mm-hmm. so just really trying to involve her get her out to events so that she sees what's happening that was very important especially when i quit my job with no money and <laughs> that really affects her too right um so i think just having those very close to you seeing what you're doing um not just telling them the stories i, I think is very important but then secondly Um, I think one of the things that has been very helpful is there, there's a couple very key people that we've brought along in this journey that I just constantly am asking questions, um, people that it's not, it's, it's, yes, you want people that have kind of gone before you, but it's more just people that you profoundly trust going back to that trust thing. Right. And saying, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Um, so I'll just say getting that uh, kind of a core people that, that believe in you and you believe in to say, I need to just constantly be bouncing these ideas off of um, has been extremely helpful as well. Because talking about innovation, you're going to be doing stuff that won't work. You're going to be doing stuff that people don't think will work, um, that you might think won't work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but, you know. God, God's like, Abraham, go. I'm not going to tell you where, but just do it, right? It's like, all right, here we go. Uh, but so then to have the people right. that can affirm or not um, mm-hmm. is is very important.
1: If you had two great hopes for the next few years with Faith Tech, or three, you'd be, we don't have to. Oh, my don't have gosh. To, like, what would be, if we if we yeah. connected back again with you in a couple of years and a few of these things happened, like, what would what would some of those great hopes be?
0: Hmm. Um. Uh, this story from last week has really been stirring me. Um, it actually. So all of this. It sounds cool, right? Tech can be cool, but I don't care about cool. Um, I really care about impact. And um, this story about how someone has literally been on a site that a team made to save her life has really opened my eyes to the potential um, and the shift that's happening in our culture. So I think kind of moving forward, uh, those one little stories are really what move me. Um, So I would love to see more of those. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that the teams that are working um, are seeing people, lives change, are seeing people meet Jesus, are seeing just transformation happen. I'd love to have more of those stories. And I think they're coming because teams are forming that share that vision. Um, I'm also very interested in being in other cities because um, talking with pastors and and ministry leaders and, and people in tech, there's just like a, one guy said in Toronto, he's like, you're waking a sleeping dragon. I'm like, what do you, I started laughing, but he's serious. and And the idea was that there's an incredible community. This was someone in Toronto. Mm. He said, "There's this incredible community of brilliant people that love Jesus that don't know what to do yeah. with their gifts." Totally. And he said, "You're you can just just a small little ounce of leadership to say, no, 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 there is something, but you just got to come up with it, and let me help you do that." Um, I think that's that could stir uh, something very profound in the, in the coming years. So. I intentionally would love to see this happening in more cities as well so that we can uh stir the church um to to be doing things it's to me it doesn't even feel that innovative I'll be honest it doesn't because I'm just like it's here we're just not seeing it um so so let's let's do something about it
1: Yeah for so long I think we've talked about being on mission in and and I think it's great, but what we've typically meant is we're on mission in our communities, we're on mission in our where we live, we're on mission, you know, where our church is. But what about being like on mission globally, on mm-hmm. mission like in our entire cities? And I think that idea of really encouraging people to use their gifts. I've come across so many people who, if they don't fit these one roles in the church, They don't really have a, Mm. they don't have a place. And so when you're talking that about people in technology with these incredible gifts that are really changing culture, why not use them for the kingdom? It's incredible. And I just want to honor your time, but I also want to honor you um, and say, I am so encouraged and inspired by what you're doing. And I remember meeting with you at the very beginning and seeing this passion. I'm like, who is this crazy man? Mm. But you know what? You have brought it together and God, has clearly blessed it. And I'm just so excited to see where the next few years go. So please come back to the new leaf project, yeah. share with us more exciting stories and uh, just really encouraged by you. So keep mm. going, brother. I'm, Thanks I'm really happy for everything that's happening.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: And thank you for sharing your story with our wow. listeners.
2: All right. That was L interviewing James Kelly about faith. Theft. Now L one of the things I really love about what James said, um, and this is something I think all of us need to do some thinking about, is uh, what do we encourage people in our churches to do with their 24-hour, everyday walk-around lives? Um, and I'm convinced that there is unreleased potential in all of our churches with people who have never made the faith connection between what they do and what uh, like in their regular life and and the church, and it's crazy because if we're ever wondering how we're we going to reach this group or that group, uh, it's simple in that the people in our churches are already that group and they already know what to do. So, friends, if you take anything away from this podcast, and I hope you take more than just one thing. But if you take anything away, do some real thinking about who the people are that are in your church and what they do for a living. And inspire them to see their jobs not as that thing that they do, unfortunately, that takes them away from the church. <laughs> but to actually see it as the place and the, and the ground zero of where they, their faith and the world meet. Where heaven touches earth. I think that's a really important thing for us to think about. I also love this idea of a hackathon. I think it's the coolest thing ever and I'm so glad that he's done it. You you were you were saying that they've just done another hackathon and something new is emerging from it. What's what's going on?
1: Yeah, I think they had one just recently uh, about refugees actually. So we had a large population of refugees uh, land here in the Kitchener Waterloo area and so he brought together a number of people who essentially they're asking the question, okay, we've got a lot of refugees, a lot of new Canadians and how do we actually leverage technology to help make their transition here easier? And so I haven't heard the results from that, uh, but uh, that kind of falls under the Faith Tech Labs projects where they're testing and trying out this new technology and how it can actually make a difference for the marginalized, for the local church or for the skeptic and I I am encouraged by it very much so.
2: What can people do if they want to get in, in touch with James and, and connect with what he's doing?
1: So faithtech.ca, faithtech.ca is the website where all of the information uh, is there uh, about what he's doing and about where the organization's going. And, you know, one of the most encouraging things for me about this whole thing of meeting James and, and seeing this great starter uh project happen, is that James really saw the Canadian landscape with missionary eyes. Mm. And he saw an opportunity for, to see. he saw a gap and he felt the opportunity and saw that he could actually fill it by creating this organization. And he took this idea from Seed Forum and he grew it in partnership with people, reached out to people and really actually saw the gap and filled it. And so I'm incredibly encouraged because, you know, Faith Tech's not a quote unquote church. It's not a church plan. This is a starter that is starting a missional-minded community and and the outspring of it is that it is going to help the local church in you know engaging people who are in the tech community but also creating technology solutions that will serve the church and essentially serve those that we're looking to reach so um, faithtech.ca is where you can get in touch with James I know he would love to hear from you Yeah, they're starting to do some things outside of Kitchener Waterloo in the Toronto area um, he's been to New York he's been all over the place so it's really starting to catch steam and if it's something that you'd be interested in learning more about or getting involved with faithtech .ca James would love to hear from you.
2: Friends, and we want you to take James example. You're out there, you're listening to us, and I know there's a hole in your community that you see and it bothers you and you're wondering when someone's going to do something about it. And uh James isn't a technology guru and he's he's probably uh an, an unlikely figure to be leading this group. I mean James is a wonderful guy, He's a man of prayer and and he's a really thoughtful person.
1: But he's not a software developer.
2: Or... That's right. Yeah. And and God may call you to do something. So so get out there. Be serious. Pray about what the the holes you're seeing and have courage. Listen to this story 15 times if you need because this is a guy who stepped out and he did something and that's what this network is all about. We're all about inspiring you to do that. So take a look and uh, and contact us if you want to talk about your idea. You need some support. We want to hear from you. So, Elle, if people want to get a hold of us, how do they do that?
1: Our website, newleafnetwork.ca. We would love to hear from you. We have lots of local events, uh, things coming up, and always having learning parties. We're having an event uh, May 19th um, in the Company of Women. So check our event space. Uh, We're hopefully coming to a neighborhood or a community near you in the next while. So give us a shout. You can check us out on social media. We're there as well. Uh, But we look forward to seeing you soon, hopefully in person. Thanks for listening, guys. We always appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and starters all across Canada.